0: This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate Scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Welcome to another episode of the One Verse Podcast. In fact, this is the very first official episode. The last one was just an introductory episode. Today we're going to look at the very first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1-1. This text is probably one of the most debated verses in the entire Bible, at least when it comes to the subject of creation and evolution. But uh, we're going to see today that this debate is tragic because, really, Genesis 1:1 is not about creation and evolution at all. It's about something completely different. You'll see what that is as we get into it. Before we do, though, I want to introduce you to my sponsor. I use Logos Bible software in all of my Bible study I used to do Bible study the old-fashioned way. I still do a lot. I have thousands and thousands of books, and I pile them up all over me, and I dig through them. I'm really loving Logos Bible Software, though, because with just a couple clicks of my keyboard, a couple clicks of my mouse, I can have... Hundreds, thousands of resources at my fingertips. I can do word searches. I can look at journal articles. I can look up uh, key passages in uh, commentaries and what other various authors have written about this. These various texts. This was super important for me as I studied Genesis one one. Just looking up some of the key words, some of the background studies, some of the research that has been done on this text. If you have Logos Bible Software, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, uh, look. You can go read about it at Logos Bible Software. There's a link in the show notes. Notes. And I would appreciate it if you do to uh, use my link. I get a little bit of uh, money from them if you go buy uh, something from them using my link. And it's just a way uh, to, to help cover the costs of this podcast. You can do that through the show notes or just go to logos.com slash When you do that, you'll see that there's a coupon code there. It's jmyers 6 uh, And if you use that coupon code, you will get 15% off your purchase at Logos Bible Software. Appreciate that if you uh, use it. Let's get on with the episode. Okay. Listen, Genesis 1.1, you know the verse, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think it's impossible to estimate how much trouble Genesis 1-1 has caused over the last, well, probably 150 years or so at least. Ever since Charles Darwin wrote his book, The Origin of Species, in 1859, Christians have used Genesis 1-1 and the two chapters, the opening chapters of Genesis, to try and disprove the theory of evolution wasn't uh, really—Genesis 1-1 really wasn't used that way prior to Charles Darwin's book. Uh, People did believe in creationism, obviously, prior to that, and they used Genesis 1-1 and and Genesis 1 and 2, those two chapters, as evidence for it. But it was sort of assumed, and then his his, uh, book came along, and boy, we were off to the races. The debate still rages today. You can see it on the news every now and then. And uh, both sides, though, neither one's really gaining ground over the other. Both sides are becoming more and more entrenched with every passing day. The one side, we have the scientific community. They view creationists as hopelessly ignorant, basically on the same level as those who used to believe that the earth is flat or that the sun revolved around the earth or something like that. On the other side, we have the creationist community, And uh, they sort of view evolutionists as, I don't know, tools of the devil or something like that, as those who want to undermine the authority of Scripture, uh, you know, deny the existence of God. And you even hear claims about how if if you deny that God created the world, that you're undermining all basis of morality and so on and so forth. Now, you might be saying, okay, Jeremy, where do you stand on the debate? Well, I'm going to tip my hand a little bit, for those of you who are wondering. First, I do believe that God created the universe, okay? Now, for those of you who are cheering, hold on. I do not believe that Genesis 1 and 2 primarily teach that God created the universe. At least, uh, let me put it this way. I don't use Genesis 1 and 2 at least not primarily, to arrive at my conclusion that God created the universe. Uh, I believe God created the universe because I believe God is a creator. It's who he is, it's what he does. God created because he is creative, and that sort of idea can be taught all over the place in the Bible. But I don't think that it is wise or smart or helpful or even correct to use Genesis 1 and 2 as evidence, as proof texts, for the idea that God created the universe. So having said that, uh, I don't have any argument necessarily with those who say that God might have used evolution or some similar process to bring about the universe as it is now. Uh, I mean, I understand the arguments for it. I, think, I don't think they're the best arguments, but the thing is is, when I, I have good friends who hold that view, and basically, my sort of opinion is, I just don't care. I shrug my shoulders and move on. Here's what I do know. Okay? Sometimes, rather than arguing about what we don't know, it might be best to agree on what we do know. And here's what we do know. We're here. You and I are here. And God exists. Atheists, of course, would disagree with that, but that's a completely different subject. God exists. And somehow or another, God is responsible for getting us here. Okay? So I think most of us can agree on that. Whatever side of the evolution-creation debate you might be on, uh, we can all agree on that. So uh, that's the end of the story. Let's move on. But that's not the end of Genesis 1-1, okay? Uh, um, In fact, I know that some people are probably upset at me for saying that I don't use Genesis chapters 1 and 2 as evidence for my belief that God created the universe. Uh, And, you know, that probably was a bit of an overstatement. I imagine that if you were to ask me to defend my belief that God created the universe— Somewhere along the way, references from Genesis 1 and 2 would find their way into my defense. But uh, even if I did put them in there, I would probably include a little mental footnote. There would be a little asterisk in my mind um, about how to use Genesis 1 and 2. And here's why because whatever I wanted Genesis 1 and 2 to say, the very first thing to consider, and this is not just true of Genesis 1 and 2, but the entire Bible, Okay. The very first thing to consider is what the original author had in mind when he wrote it and what the original audience had in mind when they read it. So when we come to Genesis 1-1 or Genesis chapters 1 and 2— we don't really need to come to it with questions about what we want it to say or what we think it says or what does this say about evolution because these were not even questions that the original audience, the original author, even had in mind. And by the way, as far as original author goes, you might be saying, oh, well, Jeremy, who do you think the original author is? There's this whole big—have you heard about the JEDP debate, the, uh, this 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 debate about who wrote the Pentateuch? All right, I'm going to tip my hand again. You ready? Uh, I believe Moses wrote the entire Pentateuch. Okay, well, not the final chapters of Deuteronomy. Obviously, that's after he's already dead, so he couldn't have written that. Uh, But the vast majority of the Pentateuch, I believe Moses wrote it, okay? I'm pretty conservative when it comes to a lot of my theology, so uh, I attribute the Pentateuch to Moses. And... um, boy, JEDP theory. I, I, you know what? I'm not going to get into any more on that. Uh, it's a huge debate. Probably all the liberal scholars, those who believe in the JEDP theory, are now turning off this podcast. Look, let me, let me just say this, okay? Let me just say this. I've been writing for about 20 years or so, maybe longer, and the other day I pulled out some of my writings from 20 years ago, and I was shocked at some of the ways I refer—I used to refer to Jesus as Christ, okay? I used, to, I used to think the two names were pretty much uh, un- identical, so I would sometimes refer to Jesus as Jesus, and sometimes I would refer to Jesus as Christ. Now, today, I'm a little more careful. I recognize that Jesus is his name and Christ is his title. It means King or Messiah or something like that, so I don't do that as much. But if you were to compare my writings from 20 years ago with my writings today, you would see different themes, different names for God, different emphasis, different things that I focused on, even different ways, different names that I use to refer to Jesus himself. Himself, okay, so if you were a critical scholar, you might say, "Well, these writings over here were written by somebody who uh, we might call him the C author for Christ, and over here these auth- these you see that this author here referred to Jesus primarily just with his personal name Jesus." And so these are two different authors, and, and it wouldn't be—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's one author who has developed in his thinking and in his theology over the course of twenty years. Now we are really arrogant to think that that could not have happened to Moses. Okay? And uh, furthermore, um, I, and I do believe Moses used sources, lots and lots of sources, so uh, that would influence, of course, some of his writing of the Pentateuch as well. Okay? So, I, I, anyway, are you bored yet? <laughs> that was a bit of a rabbit trail. You're going to get those sometimes in this podcast, but here's the point. In fact, this is this is really the point I want to make about studying Genesis. There are so many scholarly and scientific issues surrounding Genesis That by the time you wade through all the theories and proposals and arguments, you've either lost interest in the book of Genesis, or you have so focused on all of these other issues and problems that you never really get around to studying the book of Genesis. I mean, I started off by reading Genesis 1-1, and so far we haven't even started looking at the text. Instead, we've talked about creation and evolution and the JEDP theory and the penitentiary and who wrote it and all this other stuff. And we could go on and on and on. We could spend hours and days and weeks studying all this stuff and never really get to what the text says. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong, if you love studying all that stuff, look, knock yourself out. Have at it. But for me, and for the focus of this podcast, I really want to focus on what the text says, and I imagine you do too. And to do that, then, you and I, we need to focus on what the author meant when he wrote, when Moses wrote Genesis 1-1, and more than that, we need to focus on what the original audience, the Israelite people, understood when they read, or when they heard Genesis 1-1 read to them, okay? So... Having that in mind, Moses is writing this, and he's writing it to the original audience. Now remember who this original audience was, the Israelite people, and what had happened to them. They had just come out of Egypt, where they had been slaves for 400 years. And they were not wondering whether or not Moses wrote the book or not. He was right there. And they were not wondering about creation versus evolution. Those were not even issues or questions that ever even entered their mind. And so for us to come to the text with those sorts of questions and issues, while they might be interesting for us, they're not going to help us understand the text. Okay? We need to put ourselves in their sandals. You need to do that when you're reading the Bible. Hopefully I can help you do that as well. So these Israelites, they had just come out of Egypt, where uh, for 400 years, every single day, they had been told with whiplash after whiplash that the Egyptian deities were stronger than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That Yahweh was less powerful than Ra. And so they, they, they came out of this 400 years of slavery wondering how their God, how Yahweh could allow his people to be enslaved and to suffer in such a way under Egyptian bondage. I mean, they believed he was better, more loving, more powerful. But if so, how could he allow this to have happened to them? What kind of God is Yahweh, they wanted to know, to abandon his people in this way? I mean, had they done something wrong to offend him? Was he angry at them for something? Did Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or one of Jacob's, or Joseph, or maybe one of Joseph's brothers do something? One of their forefathers do something for God to punish them in such a horrendous way for 400 years? What could it be? What they done? What had they done? So Moses comes along the scene, and, and he initially shows up there in Egypt, and he says, God has heard your cries. God will deliver you from bondage. And God did. He delivered them with these ten plagues. He delivered them with this miraculous Red Sea crossing. And then he visited them on Mount Sinai and gave them the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law. And somewhere along the way, we're not sure exactly where, Moses sat down with the people who had come out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. And he began to tell them a story. In many ways, and we'll see this in future podcasts, in many ways, the story he told them was very much like a story they already knew. It was a story they had all grown up with. It was a story that the Egyptians themselves told. It was a story that many of the people in the surrounding communities and towns and villages and countries would have known as well. It was a familiar story, but in other ways, the story was new. Moses changed bits and pieces to make a point. He added elements which made them laugh. In telling this story to the people about where they had come from, Moses gave back to them their identity as a people of God. Okay? But more importantly, and especially for this, what we're going to focus on here in Genesis 1:1, Moses introduced them to this God about whom they had so many questions. Okay, So the first start of this part of this story that Moses told them begins this way. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. And what did he create? Well, it says, he created the heavens and the earth. Everything that existed, he created. There is nothing that exists which he did not create. So here we have these newly formed Israelite people, recently liberated from Egypt. Remember, put yourself in their shoes. They'd been asking what kind of God this was who left them in slavery for 400 years. They wanted to know if he loved them. They wanted to know if he was powerful enough to deliver them and rescue them and protect them and provide for them. They wanted to know what they needed to do to make sure that the slavery, that the bondage would never happen to them again. They wanted to know how to stay in God's good graces. If you're like me, these are the sorts of questions you have about God as well, right? You want to know how to stay in God's good graces. You want to know how to make sure God rescues you and protects you and provides for you. You want to know if God is strong enough to deliver you. You want to know if God is loving enough. To deliver you. If if you're like me, you want to know what God is like. Okay? So Moses begins to answer these sorts of timeless questions by introducing the people of Israel and us to God. In the beginning, he says, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, obviously, most of our questions about God are not answered yet, anyway, but we have a tiny part of an answer to one question. And it's this. The question is this. Is God powerful enough to deliver us? The answer, of course, is yes. Yes, of course He is. Right? If He created everything, if He created the heavens and the earth, if nothing exists which He did not make, then basically the point is, is God is powerful enough to deliver you and protect you. He is, he is, he is powerful enough to create the universe. He can obviously take care of your life as well. Now, Again, put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites. Moses is building the tension of this story, even from the very first sentence. What tension is that? Well, again, put yourself in the Israelites' shoes. Ask the questions that they would be asking. So Moses says this, yeah, God is powerful enough to deliver you and protect for you. So the question is, okay, well, if God is so powerful, then why did he wait 400 years? Okay. Is it because he's a bad God? He, maybe he's powerful, but is he bad? Maybe he's powerful, but maybe he's not very loving. Or maybe he is loving, but we are bad people. So in that case, maybe he's powerful, but vindictive. Again, you and I have these sorts of questions. We want to know what God will do to us if we sin. Or You know, if we do sin and we ask for forgiveness, how long we have to wait before he he does forgive us? And what our punishment will look like? We have these same sorts of questions. You and I are just like the first readers of Scripture. Okay? But, look, answers to those questions are going to have to wait. For now, I want you to notice something really important about this biblical story that Moses has begun to tell. Okay? The first characteristic of God mentioned in the Bible is his power. He created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. Yeah, it tells us that he's creative, that he's a creator, but more than anything, it tells us about his power. And, you know, this theme of power we're going to see dominates the entire rest of the Old Testament. In fact, it's not just the Old Testament. It dominates all of human history. It dominates every single government, every human institution, every, every, every human life, power. We believe that the most important thing is power. We need power to protect ourselves. We need power to protect our families, power to control events, power to plan for the future and ward off attacks and win wars and gain an upper hand over an enemy. The world is built on this this, uh, pursuit of power. Our institutions, our governments, our relationships, even our religions— Uh, Yes, Christianity as well. Everybody pursues power. We want power. And so we see that God is powerful, and we think, well, this is the way God is. He has all power. The question is, what does he do with it? What is his power for? And if we can see what God does with his power, then that might help us understand what to do with ours. We have less power than he does, obviously, but if we can understand how God uses his power, then maybe we can understand how God uses ours. But again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves on this. Uh, We have not even begun to scratch the surface on the power of God. Ultimately, of course, can I give you a glimpse behind the veil? We're going to see that God shows us how he uses his power when Jesus Christ comes upon the scene. But that's jumping way ahead of the story, We're just here, where we are being introduced to God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's not a verse about creationism. It's not a verse about evolution. Okay? Um, it's a verse that introduces us to God. And... You know, I gotta say, right now uh, there are probably people who are upset at me because I didn't take a stronger stance in this opening podcast about against the theory of evolution. But you don't want to know, know uh, what that anger is—that anger against me. I did that on purpose. That anger is the bondage of religion. This podcast is seeking to rescue scripture from the shackles of religion, right? And so I mentioned this theory of evolution and how Genesis 1-1, in fact, the entire opening chapters of Genesis don't disprove evolution just to sort of get that religious mindset stirred up a little bit, okay? And right now, those who believe that creationism is the most important idea in Genesis 1 and 2, they are religiously condemning me and judging me for not taking a strong stance on this issue. And I, I, hope, I'm, I hope that's not you, but... But, uh, look, if you are, you're you're probably starting to wonder, well, I wonder if Jeremy believes the Bible has errors. I wonder if Jeremy believes that Jesus is even God. I, I wonder if Jeremy is even a Christian. These sorts of questions are the result of religion rearing its ugly head. Religion tells you that since I don't take the stance you want, I must be condemned, I must be avoided, I must be ignored. And that is the enslavement of religion to which all humanity has been enslaved. It's power, a quest for power over others, that I'm right, you're wrong. Okay? And it hasn't, this, this, this enslavement of religion, based on power and control, hasn't just been for 40 years or 400 years or even 4,000 years, but from the very beginning. And I believe that one of the reasons Moses was writing this text was not just to introduce the people to God, but to rescue them from religion, the religion that had influenced them in Egypt. Okay? And just as this text helped set the Israelites free from bondage to religion, it's also going to help deliver you and me from the bondage of religion, too and introduce us to freedom. So to experience this freedom, the first thing you must do is recognize that the questions Genesis 1-1 is inviting us to ask, they're not how questions, how did this happen, how did this work, but they are who questions. Who is this about? Okay? It's about God. They're not about how this text is true, but who this text reveals. Genesis 1-1 is a relationship introduction. It is not a religious indoctrination. So, who is this God introduced to us in Genesis 1-1? Well, we will begin to learn about that next time as we take a look at Genesis 1-2. Listen, this podcast is brand new. I would really appreciate it if you'd go leave a review, rating and review at iTunes. iTunes, when uh, podcasts are first put on, they give them a little bump, help people find them. But the ratings and reviews really help. So if you've uh, appreciated this, if this podcast episode has made you think... Look, do me a favor and go leave a rating review on uh, on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. There's a link in the show notes. We'll take you right to the page and you can just leave your review there. Thank you very much. See you in the next episode when we look at Genesis 1 2. Oh, and I warned you in the last episode, sometimes I'm going to go over. Five or 10 minutes. I just looked at my clock. This thing was close to 30 minutes. I apologize for that. But I did warn you, this was going to happen. <laughs> See you in Genesis 1-2.